0: Well, it's good to be with you again this evening it's been a wonderful day we're staying at linverd's paul's took us out for dinner steve's had us for supper i guess we're hitting on all three cylinders aren't we (laughs) so we were we had a good day and uh, we very much enjoyed our day and um, i've enjoyed the brethren that you have here at your congregation It's kind of interesting, I asked Brother Paul last night, we didn't communicate a whole lot and I usually don't do this about material, subject material, and I asked Paul, I said, um, have you, has anyone here in your church been preaching lately from the book of Ecclesiastes? He said, yes, as a matter of fact, yes, Linford has. I thought, well, that's interesting because I had really had kind of had planned on uh, going through, doing some studying in that book. And uh, I thought, no, I don't want to do that. But I brought plenty of material along. So uh, don't worry, I've got plenty of material to choose from. But, um, so I switched gears a little bit then and and did some praying last night and this morning. Um, Before I tell you what I'm gonna share in the next three nights, um, let me just give you this little introduction. Uh, A Number of years ago, the Fellowship of Concerned Mennonites had a conference in Goshen, Indiana and the speaker was a man by the name of John Phillips. And I really wanted to go because John Phillips was an, is an author and um, has written a number of books. And they are entitled, like, he has written a lot of commentaries in the Bible. A lot of them are commentaries. And they're all exploring, like exploring John, exploring Matthew. And um, he had, has done the entire New Testament and a good part of the Old Testament. He is no longer living, though. He didn't get done. But... Um, I, um, I went because I wanted to meet this man. I like his writings. I, they're easily understood, and I, I'd recommend them to you. But anyway, um, I ate dinner with him twice in that weekend, and we kind of became friends, and he gave me his phone number, and we visited some over the years before he died. And one of the things that I have learned from him was kind of a subject I want to address to, uh, and share with you in the next three nights. Uh, he kind of pointed me to this whole idea of people who related to David, King David. And, um, and he has done some studying on that, and I have done some studying too, because David is a type of Christ. And what's so interesting about that is you look at how people related to King David, it's real revealing about how people today, how you and I relate to Christ. and. Um, You'll see yourself a lot of times in these persons if you study persons in David's life, and you'll see your neighbors and your friends sometimes. And you actually can get great insight into how to work with some people and how you'll learn for yourself mainly. And so I think I'm going to use these three nights to talk to you about persons in the life of David. And from that... Uh, we will learn a great deal about ourselves and about how we can work in the kingdom. Now, the person that I've chose tonight is a man by the name of Barzillai. Now, there's a number of people. What's interesting about this, um, you can work with different ages. You can work with wives. You can work with children, uh, adults. You can work with generals. You can work with all kinds of people. And, um, and I'm going to introduce this person to you in just a moment here. But the title of the message is this, Am I Willing to Give and Willing to Go? That's the title of the message, Am I Willing to Give and Willing to Go? Am I willing to be obedient to what the Lord would ask of me? That's kind of where we're headed this evening. Now, our text... The main text is in 2 Samuel chapter 17, verse 27, 28, and 29. It has a few hard names here, and I'm not an expert on names, but I will swim through these for you and get to the text, okay? 2 Samuel chapter 17, verse 27. And it came to pass when David was come to Mahanaim that Shobi, the son of Nahash of Reba of the children of Ammon, and Maker, the son of Amiel of Lodabar, and Barzillai, there's our man. There are three men mentioned here, but I'm going to pick up on just this one. Barzillai, the Gileadite of Rogalim, brought beds and basins, and earthen vessels, and wheat, and barley, and flour, and parched corn, and beans, and lentils, and parched pulse, and honey, and butter, and sheep, and cheese of kind for David, and for the people that were with him to eat. For they said, the people is hungry, and weary, and thirsty in the wilderness." Now, the setting for this is the time of the Absalom rebellion. That was King David's son, as you recall. Absalom had rebelled against his father, David, and because of that, David had to flee for his life. David lost the kingdom momentarily here, and it was the movement in Absalom's behalf was great, very great and David really had to flee for his life. That's hard to believe that a son would be that intent on killing his father, but such was the case. And as he fled from Jerusalem, there came this group of three men, one of them being Barzillai. They come to David. And God is David's or David, excuse me, is God's anointed king. And David has been rejected of men, just like our Savior. He is fleeing from his life, and these men come and give him aid and give him sustenance. And we want to learn from the life of this man tonight. And this, this man responds to David, how should we respond to David's greatest son? That's Jesus Christ. That's David's greatest son, Jesus Christ. And again, as this man responded to David, let's learn lessons about how you and I ought to respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to talk to you, first of all, this evening about the excellence of the man Barzillai. And we see that here in this text that I just read to you. He was one of the very few people who dared to take a stand for David. One of very few. Most people would not do that. And undoubtedly, there were many advised him, just use your common sense. Now, wait just a little bit and see how this is going to work out. Then you can choose sides. whoever you think is going to win. If Absalom wins, then you can, you'll be right in line to be on his side. And if David happens to overcome and come back, well, then you can be on his side. Evidently, that was what most people were thinking about, but not Barzillai. Barzillai had known King Saul, the king before David. But then he heard about David, and he met David, the one who was anointed of God. You see, David had gone down into the valley of death. Remember? He met Goliath in a valley, a valley of death. Why is it a valley of death? Because Goliath was there. David went down into the valley of death, and there he destroyed him who had the power of death, and that was Goliath. Goliath held death over all the children of Israel. He went down in that valley, and he destroyed that one who had the power of death. And I wouldn't doubt Barzillai, if he would have wanted to, could have sung a song like we would sing. Look, ye saints, the sight is glorious. See the man of sorrows now. From the fight, return victorious. Every knee to him shall bow. He could have sung a song like that because that's what David did. He provided salvation for his people, he saved them from slavery and from death. And in that sense, you begin to understand why David is such a good type of Christ. Now, when he heard of David, he could have very easily said, What a savior! What a Savior. Now, that is the way to live. Let's learn from this man. That is the way to live. You keep your eye on the person, the person of David. He kept his eye on the person of David, and he kept his eye on the position of David. Let me explain. He kept his eye on the person of David. Everybody else was going to Absalom for the most part. Not everybody good part of the nation was, but he kept his eye on the person of David, on his character, the kind of man he was. He didn't forget the kind of man David was. He kept one eye on that. He kept the other eye on his position. He was God's anointed. He never forgot that. Never forgot that. That was settled in heaven. No one was going to change that. Nothing in heaven or nothing in earth or or hell could could change the fact that David had been anointed and chosen of God. And when people began throwing off the faith of their fathers and turning to the rebel Absalom, and many people did, not Barzillai, he said, I'm keeping one eye on that man's character. I'm keeping the other eye on his position he's coming back I believe he's coming back because he's anointed of God and that's why he went down there and gave this sustenance to David as he was running out of the city and he gave him this support, he believed in the second coming of David now that's how to live that's a good lesson in itself this evening for all of us how to live. If you want to know how to live in a day and age when people are throwing off the faith of their fathers and going after other leaders and other gods and other things, you keep one eye on the person of Christ, his character, who he is, the kind of man he is, the kind of integrity of that man, Jesus Christ. You keep one eye on him. He is the son of God, by the way. We all know that but you keep another eye on his position. He's the anoint of God, and he's coming back. (laughs) You see, just like Barzillai believed, and David. This man, Jesus Christ, God's only son, he is coming back. That is the way to live in our day and age. When things are not, like I said last night, we're living in challenging times. We all know that learn from Barzillai remember the person of Jesus Christ and remember his position he is king of kings he's lord of lords nothing in earth or hell will ever change that it will be that way and he is coming back so that's our first great lesson for the e- for the evening he not only knew how to live but he knew how to give no one had to come to Barzillai come up with some incentive to get him to give. There was no tax break for what he did. There was no twisting of his arm in order to give to David. No one had to do that. And by the way, the Lord really doesn't want your money on those terms. If that's what it takes, you give to the Lord because you get a tax break or someone twists your arm, you just have to give. I don't think the Lord needs your money. It's rather blunt, but that's not the way to give, and that's not how Barzillai gave. Now, most of you students that are in school, I have a feeling that your teachers have taught you that you use only one conjunction in a sentence. Don't you? One conjunction in a sentence. Well, now, interesting, look with me at this text, starting there at verse 28 and you start counting the ands in there, and you're going to come up with a whole bunch of them. There are 13. I counted them, so you don't have to take the time. 13. See all those ands? Not very good grammar, is it? Did you know in Genesis chapter 1, there's 100? There's 100 ands. You see, that is the Holy Spirit's way to slow you down and to bring emphasis to every item that's on that list. Let me explain the difference. Go to verse 28, and let me start reading, and I'm just going to drop the ands. Okay? Barzillai, the Gileadite of Rogalem, brought beds, basins, earthen vessels, wheat, barley, flour, parched corn, beans, lentils, parched pulse. Brought beds and basins and earthen vessels and wheat and barley. Do you see the difference? It emphasizes everyone. That's why the Holy Spirit has written it this way. And it's rightly done. It's well done. Now when you... Let me gain this lesson for you from this story. When you stand before the judgment seat of Christ and the books are opened... The Lord is not going to say thanks for all you've done and have you walk out. That's not the way it's going to be. I can't tell you for certain exactly how it's going to be, but I have a pretty good indication because of different things in the scripture. The Lord will tell you, I remember this and I remember that and I remember this and I remember that. And the reason I base that on that kind of a concept is because what Jesus himself said, if you so much as give a cup of cold water in my name, you will not lose your reward. Get the drift. Every deed, every act that you've done on behalf of Jesus Christ will get its just and equitable reward and it'll be detailed at the judgment seat of Christ now barzillai was an old man he couldn't go fight he wasn't a preacher that we know of but he did what he could do he gave he gave and david needed needed these things and his people They were running for their lives, and there was nothing out there in the wilderness for them. They needed those things, and Barzillai is the one who met the need. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) That's the excellence (coughs) of the man Barzillai. Now, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's look at the excuses of the man Barzillai. This isn't quite as pleasant as the one that we just looked at. Like many people, Barzillai was willing to give, but he was not willing to go. He was not willing to go. That's how we are often natured. Now let me show you what I mean by going to the 19th chapter in 2 Samuel, chapter 19. I'm going down to verse 31. The Absalom rebellion has now been crushed. Absalom is dead. And David is coming back into Jerusalem with his family and the few followers that he had at that point. They're coming back into the city. And guess who comes to meet them now when they come back into the city? Our man that we're studying, Barzillai. And now in chapter 19, verse 31, it says, and Barzillai the Gileadite came down from Rogalim and went over Jordan with the king to conduct him over Jordan. Now Barzillai was a very aged man, even fourscore years old, and he had provided the king of sustenance while he lay at Mahanaim, for he was a very great man. And the king said unto Barzillai, Come thou over with me, and I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. So David's coming back. Barzillai comes out to meet him and welcome him and to conduct him back over the Jordan and going back to Jerusalem. And David looks at Barzillai. He says, come with me. Come with me and come back to the palace and and stay with me. David needed him. David wanted him. And in verse 32, we see he was a very great man. He would have made a very good counselor for David. And David wanted him. But starting in the 34th verse, Barzillai begins to make excuses as to why he can't go with David. And there are five of them here that I've counted. Perhaps you will count more. But I think it's worthwhile to look at these excuses this evening of why Barzillai did not want to go with David. The first one in verse 34 there is, I'm too old. I'm too old. Let's see what it says. And Barzillai said unto the king, How long have I to live that I should go up with the king unto Jerusalem? I am this day fourscore years old. I'm too old. Too old to go with you, David. Do you know that's a very common excuse? (laughs) Don't have to get red. I'm too old. Now, you young people don't get too proud. Some people say, I'm too young. (laughs) That's the same excuse. (laughs) And now all the middle-aged people are very comfortable sorry, (laughs) we'll say, I'm too old, I'm too young. Not at this stage of life. Gotcha, middle-aged group, not at this stage of life. That's how we are. We're often too old or we're too young or it's the wrong stage of life. When the king has asked us to do something, Well, that wasn't the last excuse. That was the first one. The next one is, it's too much. This is in the middle of verse 35. And can I discern between good and evil? Can thy servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any more the voice of singing men and singing women? Can I three times? Can I, says it's too much. First one was, can I discern between good and evil? So he asked, can I discern? I'm I'm so old. Can I discern between good and evil? Well, absolutely, he could. He proved it. He was one of the few that could. Everybody else went over to Absalom for the most part, not Barzillai. Could he discern between good and evil? He certainly could. David said, I think I'd like that man to help me out. Oh, I can't discern between good and evil. And can thy servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Now, I suppose his taste buds maybe weren't quite what they used to be, but really what he was saying there is, oh, to go and eat in the palace. I I just don't really have an appetite for that, David. Just don't really have an appetite for that. That's why few people go to church, a lot of people don't go to church, don't really have an appetite for what the king wants to spread before them. I don't know how it is here in Harrisonburg, last stat I saw in our community is about 40% of our people do not go to church and we live in a church community. I suppose it's higher than that now, the amount that don't go to church. No hunger. For the word of God. It's an excuse. I I, can I taste what the king wants to set before me? Can I hear any more the voice of singing men and singing women? Well, David, I can't even hear your singing very well. Obviously, you could hear some because they were talking. (laughs) Oh, he said my hearing's not very good, and I know you have singing men that music in the palace. I don't care for that music in the palace. Unfortunately, that's a problem in the church. We don't care for the music in the church. So we try all kinds of things. It's kind of sad. Music has a wonderful place in worship. It gets so abused and misused. And I don't know where all of you are at, but I certainly like hymns, choruses, and music. And I know a lot of people don't like hymns anymore. It's kind of interesting. They have stood the test of time. Generation after generation has sung hymns. Kind of a shame to do away with them. But you know, that's kind of an excuse that we hear. I don't like the, the music. The Old Testament's more practical than we want to admit sometimes. And I know your emphasis here as a church is on good music. I commend you for not criticizing at all. But I'm just saying that's, that's the way it is. Next one is in verse 36 or 35, the last part of verse 35. I'm too weak, he says. I'm too weak. Wherefore then should thy servant be yet a burden unto my lord the king? I oh, said, I'm so weak. I'm old. You know, I'm going to get the palace, and you're going to start taking care of me. And uh, I don't think I ought to go, David. I'd just be in the way. You think David didn't know his physical limitations? David knew his age. He knew his age well. Did David need only young men? Those big strapping young athletic soldier types is that all the kind of men that David needed? Yes, he needed men like that, but he needed Barzillai's too. He didn't need all those young strapping young men. He liked those and used them, but he used Barzillai's and he needed Barzillai's. And that's the way it is in the church. We need all kinds of church people. We need children. We need our young men. We need our middle-aged men. We need our old men. I don't know where you put yourself in all those groups. For tonight, a lesson I'd really like to draw from here is we need those people who have given themselves in their lifetime to the study of the Word of God. We need those people. But Brazilia, I said, I'm too weak. The next one is, in verse 36, it's too far. This is a good one. Thy servant will go a little way over the Jordan with the king. I'll go a little way. Oh my, that's pretty practical. That really is. A lot of people say, I'll go a little way, but not too far. Very, they're very common. Feel a little bit bad. We'll go a little way. I'll go over the Jordan. I'll go with you a ways, but not too far ever think about what would have happened if Jesus had done that? Remember back there in pre-creation days when the Father and the Son agreed to create man and they knew full well what man would do and Jesus, for the foundation of the world, agreed to come as our Savior. But let's suppose that Jesus would have said, I'll tell you what, Father, I'll go to Bethlehem. Yes, I'll take on human flesh. I'll go as a baby. I'll be born at Bethlehem, but after I'm born, I'm coming back. I'll go a little way. What if Jesus had said, I'll tell you what, I'll go to Bethlehem, and I'll go and I'll even grow up and I'll preach to the multitudes. I'll give him your truth, but after that, I'm coming back. I'll go a little way. One more step. Let's suppose Jesus had said, I'll tell you what. I'll even go all the way to Gethsemane. I'll even sweat great drops of blood, but then I'm coming back. What would happen, people? There had been no salvation for any of us, but Jesus went all the way. You see the point? He went all the way. How can we go a little way like Barzillion? One more excuse. It's in verse 37. It's too late. Let thy servant, I pray thee, turn back again that I may die in mine own city and be buried by the grave of my father and of my mother. I suppose this is the biggest excuse of all that we tend to use. I've got my plans made, even my burial. It's all right to be buried by your father and mother. That's not the point. But David, you know, if I go with you, that's going to mess up my plans. I've kind of got my plans made and... You know, it's time for someone else to do the work. And um, I get, I'll go for the comfortable life. Uh, I've done my share. I'll, I've got the rocking chair in a special place there, and um, it's all ready. And uh, I think that's the route I'm going to go, David. And, uh, but you go on. Go on, David. I'm sure it's going to work out. You've got lots of young people, lots of other help. But thank you for the the offer, David, but uh, it's too late. I've got my plans made and and, uh, looking forward to dying. But David had asked Barzillai. He had asked him, (laughs) please go with me. Let me show you the consequences of this decision that Barzillai made. Look at the middle of verse 37 where I stopped reading. There's that word, but. (laughs) See that? But, Barzillai is talking. But behold thy servant Chimham. Let him go over with my lord the king, and do to him what shall seem good unto thee. What Barzillai said is, well, here's my servant, Chimham. He's a young man. Tell you what, you take Chimham. And you take him with you, David. And whatever you had plans to do for me, you just do for Chimham. That was what Barzillai suggested. So... In verse 38, and the king answered, Chimham shall go over with me. I should have read it sort of like, Chimham shall go over with me. That's how I should have read it. He says, all right, I will, Barzillai. I'll do what you ask. Uh, Goodbye, Barzillai. I'll never ask you again. And he blesses him, he says, goodbye, and I'll take Chimam. And in finishing verse 38, he says, And I will do to him that which shall seem good unto thee, and whatsoever thou shalt require of me, that will I do for thee. And all the people went over Jordan, and when the king was come over, the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him, and he returned into his own people. Then the king went on to Gilgal, and Chimham went on with him, and all the people of Judah conducted the king and also half the people of Israel. And so that's just what happened. Chimham went over into the city of Jerusalem with the king. And David just said, I'll just do for him what I would have done for you. And in fact, I'll give him the reward that I had planned for you, Barzilia. I was planned to reward you. But I'm going to just give that to Chimham now. That's what you ask. I'll, I'll just give it to him. Is that what you want? Do you want someone to get your crown? Is that what you want? I want to be careful here. I'm not trying to say we should be in competition for crowns. (laughs) But Jesus did warn us of that. In that great book of Revelation. Hold fast that thou hast that no man take thy crown. (coughs) Pretty powerful verse. (laughs) That no man take thy crown. What happened to Jim Hamm? (coughs) We're going to turn to the book of Jeremiah and find out in just a moment. But, but Chimham went to Jerusalem with David. He did, and he by putting a few things together, it appears that David must have given him some property at Bethlehem. Ever hear of Bethlehem? He gave him some property at Bethlehem. 500 years later, we read about Chimham in the book of Jeremiah. Turn with me to chapter 41 of the book of Jeremiah. The verse is verse 17. It says, And they departed and dwelt in the habitation of Chimham, which is by Bethlehem, to go to enter into Egypt. Now, that word habitation there, The Hebrew word is inn. Inn. They departed and dwelt in the inn of Chimham, which is by Bethlehem. So, five hundred years later, we learn that evidently, evidently, Chimham must have built an inn at Bethlehem, and it was still there. Jeremiah's time, I would expect it was the same place, you know, Bethlehem's a pretty little town, always was, I don't suppose there were too many inns there, although I can't prove it, and now I'm going to share with you something that is not my perspective, but it's John Phillips, I'm going to draw from his book, and I'm just going to pass it to you as a point of interest, I'm not saying this is Bible, everybody got that clear, but it's just kind of interesting, and this is what John Phillips has to say. He said, I wonder, I wonder if, you know, this event happened 500 years later, then you go another 500 years to the time of Christ, okay? And John Phillips, with his imagination, just says like this, I wonder if there didn't come a day when the Son of God stepped off his throne, said, by the way, Chimham, I'm going down to that inn that you built. I'm going to see if they have any room for me down there. Thank you for building that inn, Jim, Ham. I wonder if they'll let me stay there. We're going to go find out. Now that's just one man's idea, you understand. I'm not sharing that with you as gospel truth. (laughs) I want to make that clear. (laughs) John Phillips has an imagination. This pastor does too. And I I like to imagine things. (laughs) And let me just say this. I do think there will be things like that. I do think there will be. When the Lord through His Holy Spirit, prompts us and asks us to do something. Whether it's building in, or knit an again, or carry in a meal, or visit a person who is sick or in prison, or encourage a brother in the church, when the Lord prompts us by His Spirit which He does do to His people, Do I do it? Do I do it? Or am I full of excuses? I'm too old. I'm too young. It's too much. I'm too weak. It's too far. It's too late. Old excuses of Barzillai. Oh, the excuses of the people of God toward King Jesus. How about you? Have you ever given one of those excuses? You've probably given them all. You probably have. But that's between you and the Lord tonight, and we're going to pray and ask the Lord to deal with it. Let's pray together. Father, it's interesting how we can take an Old Testament story like this, and we see ourselves. We see how in our relationship with your precious Son, our Savior, That when your Holy Spirit has prompted us, we have made some of the very same excuses. And our hearts convict us of that tonight. So I want to intercede on behalf of these dear people. I'm sure that in this audience there are those who have made these excuses and they are convicted of that tonight. And they are acknowledging that to thee at this moment. Hear their prayer hear their cry and your mercy and grace, Father, take our prayers, our confessions, and in its place, Father, in our brokenness this evening, give us that zeal, that longing to hear, what you'd have us to do from this day on. Because today is the first day of the rest of all of our lives. And you've given us all grace and we thank you for it. And Father, we come to that point where we're so excited about what you want to do with us, these broken vessels that are being poured out for your use.